Hello, welcome back to Hope Reclaimed. I'm Ellie Hope Herringshaw, and it's on this podcast that we talk about active and practical ways that we can step into healing because Jesus has already extended healing to us, and sometimes it's our job to step in and receive that for ourselves. We're continuing a series right now called Now What? And on this episode, I'm going to be interviewing my new friend, Rachel Sawatsky, about healing from divorce and what her life has been like now. I really hope you enjoy this episode. Happy one year anniversary. Thank you so much. Thank you. It has been the best year of my life. Hands down. Like the best. (laughs) So fun. So you're so you're remarried, which is just crazy. Yes. It is. Surreal. Something that, you know, my hopes for marriage, even the first time around, I feel like Mm -hmm. have been surpassed with my second marriage to James. Just like everything I thought I wanted has been answered, but and then some, you yeah. know, like James just truly sounds cheesy, but completes me in a sense. Yeah. I, I tend to be reserved and quiet and shy, <laughs> but I have, you know, an extroverted side and he's very extroverted and silly and he brings that out. So like you were just, you, I just think it was so cool because you were just saying before we were recording that the Lord was like, he's been faithful to answer the prayers in this marriage that mm-hmm. you had in your first Yes, definitely. That's so cool. It is cool. I mean, I I was advised by a counselor the first time around to journal, like journal my experiences. I'm a big journaler. Yeah, I still do it to this yeah. day. That was like three, four years ago that okay. I was introduced to journaling, not something I'd done. Started doing it so that I could really, you know, remember and yeah. see what was truly happening. Yeah. And not just my emotions, up, totally. but like write down what was happening. And so I and then still your emotions have around what what yes. happened too. Like how so I was like, feeling. This yeah. is what he did. This is what transpired throughout yep. the day. Like mm-hmm. factual, but also my emotion totally to those things. And so I've looked back at some of my prayers that I journaled in mm-hmm. that season about like God heal him, God restore my yeah. marriage, God help him be faithful and devoted to you to be a spiritual leader totally. to do these things to lead in this way. Yeah. And not the first husband, but second husband has wow. embodied those. That's so and amazing. It's been really cool to be along the journey with James and watch him yeah. grow spiritually. James is my current husband, yeah. by the way. Um, but yeah, he has just exemplified those prayers and grown Praise in his God. own spiritual walk and now leads me, yeah. which is what I'd always wanted and didn't have the first time. Hmm. And James has figured it out yeah. or is continuing to figure it out, I yeah. should say. So it's it's been really cool. That is, that. That's so amazing. So yeah. I'd want to talk just a little bit about your experience with that first marriage. In this podcast, we don't want to talk about just what happened. Yeah. You know, it's not just like, these are, this is how terrible my life was. Sure. Um, <laughs> but it's more about, okay, yeah, this happened. Mm-hmm. What has God done since? Absolutely. And you've taken what happened and you have made it a platform and mm-hmm. and I think the beauty of testimony is that we can we can stand on what happened and then mm-hmm. glorify God because of it absolutely not like not sitting in it or anything like that but yeah but we're we're giving God God glory in yes. it because he's so good and he's so faithful absolutely yeah. well I got married fresh out of college so mm-hmm. I was kind of the sheltered homeschool girl. You were homeschooled? I was. I was too. Homeschool success stories. High five. (laughs) We made it. We did. Like 
socially awkward or at least not too socially awkward. <laughs> or at least we don't think we are. Yeah. <laughs> we don't think we are. And that's all that matters, right? Totally. But yeah. So I was homeschooled. I grew up in Minnesota okay. and I decided that my opportunity to kind of get away to figure out my own life mm-hmm. was to go to Texas. Okay. So I went to college in Texas. I had never physically been on a single date until my junior year of college. Okay. Which is when I went on my first date with my ex-husband. Okay. So there was kind of a laborious process of friendship with him because I was very like kind of stonewalling him for yeah. the first year that I knew okay. him. So we were friends. We went to Bible college. I was going mm-hmm. there for youth ministry. He was okay. a football player. And now that I think about it, like our past didn't necessarily cross easily, but mm-hmm. we just were there. It's a small yeah, school. You yeah. get to know everybody. And so anyways, we started dating essentially when I, gra- like the semester I graduated. Okay. So we dated on campus for like a semester. He was from Texas. So when I graduated, I came back and we started our long distance okay. relationship. You came back to Minnesota. Yes. Came okay. back to Minnesota, lived here, was working, kind of trying to figure out that post graduation life. And yeah. Do. My heart was in Texas uh-huh. and I kind of hated being here uh-huh. <laughs> since my friends were there. My boyfriend was there at the time. And so we dated for about a year and a half. He was still in school. Okay. We got, he flew up, we got engaged and I made the decision to move to Texas because wow. he needed to finish school. Yeah. So yeah. we did that. We got married. I was 24, I think, when I got married. Okay. Got married, and we were married about a month. Mm-hmm. And I noticed a change in him. And as I mentioned, he was a football player, so he was muscular build, like mm-hmm. worked out a lot, yeah, ate a lot, just yeah. stuff that goes with that. <laughs> so I didn't think anything of it, except for it was actually Valentine's Day. So a month into our marriage, we're celebrating Valentine's Day, and he just breaks down, and he... Wow. Starts crying and he's like, I got, I have to tell you something that I kept from you. And I'm like, oh, oh no. what is going on? And he starts telling me that he had been abusing steroids for his football performance. Okay. And that started this whole like, whoa, this person is not who I thought they were. Kind of this yeah. shock. But right then and there, I decided, you know, I am going to fight for this marriage. Mm-hmm. I love marriage. I admire relationships. Yeah. And I think they point people to God's relationship with us. So yeah. I always the had covenant. this high view. Yeah, exactly. This high view of marriage. I valued it. Mm-hmm. I cherished it. And yeah. I, you know, shifted this news into like, okay, how can I help you? Like, yeah, you're my husband. We're in this together. Yes. This is a commitment. Exactly. So we're going to get through this. Yep. What's my role in helping yes. you get better? Yep. And, and like helping heal. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, I didn't know much about steroids. I just yeah. knew they were not great. Yeah. And that they were something he was not supposed to be doing. Yeah. Playing okay. in the league he was in. And, and he's currently playing in the league. Yeah, he was when he, currently when he playing told you. Okay. and he was in school. Okay. I was yeah. working full time. We were married at the time in Texas. And so anyways, he got off the steroids and I knew that from my own personal research, there'd be some kind of weird um, emotional changes okay. and kind yeah. of mental, physical, emotional, hormonal things going totally. on. So yeah. I kind of prepared myself for mm-hmm. him to be a little different. But it was truly like at that point in time, it felt like he changed or, Mm. you know, that was when stuff started really coming out. He would disappear for like 
a week at a time, would not tell me where he was going, would not respond to my phone calls. And I was alone in Texas. My family's all here and all over the world. And I had a few friends, but this was post-college. They'd all yeah, moved on. Yeah. Nobody was really you there. You didn't have like a real community people exactly. to lean on and at that time. I We had started going to a church. So okay. I'm eternally grateful t- for this church in Texas. They became my family. Cool. So I would spend the night at their house. Or Whoa, yeah. they would come make me meals or pray over our apartment when I was alone. Oh, wow. And that's amazing. It was just this weird him being very aloof. Okay. So it started with that, and then I kind of just felt, like, anxious about things between him and I. And oh, totally. And when he'd come back, he'd be very quiet, cold, wouldn't tell me anything. So mm-hmm. I looked into his phone records, and I found a number that he was contacting very frequently, mm-hmm. looked into it more, and it turned out to be a girl that I knew he had a previous relationship with mm-hmm. that was not good or godly in high school. And... Kind of to explain that a little more, myself, I had never dated. Yeah. He was my first boyfriend that I kissed, held hands with, like everything with. So he was essentially the man I waited for. And I was not that for him. Yeah. He had been a recent convert. And I knew that. Yeah. Yeah. I knew what I was getting myself into. And I thought, you know, this was God's great bringing together this person who had waited for a person who had lived Mm -hmm. a very promiscuous life and was a recent convert. Yeah. Did not grow up in a Christian home. His parents mm-hmm. were divorced. Mom was in jail. Oh, wow. Like, totally opposite Yeah, lives. like, really broken. But I kind of thought, you know, in my mind, that was part of what God had for and us. And there's beauty us in together. that. Like, yeah, yeah totally. Like, I, I kind of had a similar... I mean, it was very, very different than that. Yeah. But, but I had waited mm-hmm. for marriage. Definitely. Yeah. And so... Found that he had been talking to another female that he oh, had a bad yeah. relationship with. And it just broke me to my core. Totally. I then did more digging. And mm-hmm. it's kind of easy to find out stuff if you're really looking for it. Mm-hmm. I found um, him with Craigslist accounts soliciting sexual stuff mm-hmm. with other people. I found out that he had been cheating on me since we were friends yeah. all throughout our dating, engagement, and marriage Gosh. with multiple women. Yeah. That he would, you know, hook up with people at school. And it was just like this earth shattering moment of like, I don't know, utter hopelessness. Totally. Yeah, no. And I discovered this stuff out when he wasn't there. So, of course, my mind was going a million places. But eventually I talked myself into, I love this man. I want it to work. I'm going to fight for this because at the end of the day, I want to say that I did everything I could. And I think at that point in time, divorce was the most scary option to me. Mm -hmm. Like, even though all this hurt was just coming out and it felt like I was being crushed. Yeah. I still felt like divorce would be the ultimate, like, death experience. Like, that scared me more than myself physically dying. Um, which oh, I silly, no, I, but it did. I can so relate to that. Yeah, where I was like, I, w- I think I would rather die than do yeah. like. There's something about that word, and mm-hmm. especially in like, I mean, it sounds like we kind of grew up in the. Yeah. We're both homeschooled, yeah. So yeah. Exactly. there's like the shame of that word yes. that yes. feels like not just the death of a relationship, but yeah. there's the that should that's not my story. Yeah, that's not supposed to be me. Yeah. That's not the plan that God has yep. for me. 
Where so it couldn't be. It, it felt couldn't like possibly no be. Could not possibly. That. Yeah. that couldn't possibly be the situation. And so, yeah. so then taking the steps is like, yes. no, I'm going to fight for this because of what I believe that the Lord, what I believe the Lord has yes. for me. And so I talked myself into this. You know, I'm going to fight for him. I want to work on this. So I found through my church connections, found a counselor that they advised, a Christian counselor in the area. And he came home, would just like very opposed to me as a person, told me he hated me, was packing his stuff to move out. And I was like, we need to go to counseling. I don't know what's going on. I know I feel like I'm dying inside, but we need to go to counseling. And for whatever reason, he agreed to. Wow. And this yeah. was like literally two months into our marriage. That's so crazy. we just immediately things blew up. It yeah. felt like, you know, like there was very little from when you get back from your two week honeymoon to real life, there was very little real life mm-hmm. of us together before. This doesn't sound like there really the was fan. any real life. No, there <laughs> really, really wasn't. Because you're still in. Honeymoon, la la and yeah. then you're like yeah. thrown into it, trying to get back in the oh swing of things, gosh. figure out life. So there really was no like foundation for him and I to fall back on. It was yeah. like we need to build this from you know the ground up, mm-hmm. and so we did counseling for about nine months altogether. Wow! And it was always up and down. It was him changing, but then yeah. I find out hidden accounts on just more things, social media, more stuff, more lies. Mm-hmm. And there was always, you know, this tension between his family and I. They were mm-hmm. not believers. Mm-hmm. They actually, I later found out, helped him have affairs. They would allow him to have affairs oh in gosh. their homes. So I wouldn't see and wouldn't be aware and were sort of facilitating and condoning his behavior because they didn't like me because, I don't know, they couldn't understand my Mm. way of life and Mm -hmm. they didn't like that they saw their son, you know, not happy and they Mm. assumed that was all my fault. And I still, at that point in time, did not really grasp what was going on Mm -hmm. and I felt like I was just kind of being tossed about by the waves and just overwhelmed and at this point in time I hadn't really told my family in Minnesota what was going on I let them know enough that they could pray yeah that we were having a hard time we were in counseling that we had yeah they didn't know the severity of it yeah they didn't know that so it was essentially just me dealing with this yeah friends there's also kind of like a church there's also kind of a level of it too that you can't really tell them it's yeah you want to but because you want support and those those types of things but you also want to it needs to be in a place where you can sort of don't have to manage their emotions in it sure exactly and so it impacts more than it does the ripple effects of divorce oh yeah they go far (laughs) let's just say that yeah definitely definitely and yeah so I hadn't told them Mm -hmm. and they knew he was abusing steroids and that kind of stuff but I was still going through this alone Mm -hmm. we were doing better great this was now around Christmas time okay so almost like a year after our marriage we were doing better we were going to move to Colorado because okay. I was given an opportunity to work at a church with some of the friends from my Texas church. They okay. Were doing a church plan. 
So it was kind of like, this is my dream. Yeah. We get to do something for me. We're moving away from this sort of toxic family environment for him. Yeah. It really felt like there was light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. So this I could was be, very This could hopeful. be something new. This mm-hmm. could be kind of a new start a for start. you. Yeah, totally. exactly. Like kind of leave that behind us, close that chapter. And we were going to start that by coming up to Minnesota to spend mm-hmm. two weeks with my family, do Christmas. Great. Go back down, pack, move. And... Out of nowhere, he switched, and it was, like, total opposite. Hmm. Just, I don't even know, like, decided he did not want to be married to me and was telling me he hated me, did not want to be my spouse. And so I called a counselor bawling, and I was like, can I please see you? We're supposed to leave tomorrow morning to go back to Minnesota. I don't know what's happening. I need you. She let us come in, and that's where my ex-husband was saying I want a divorce. Mm -hmm. I want to be done. I don't want to do this anymore. And at that point in time, it had been such a roller coaster of me fighting. And it felt like fighting against him Mm -hmm. because he was trying to undo everything I was working for. Right. Um, And so it essentially, that was kind of the breakdown of like, I can't physically, emotionally, spiritually handle this anymore. Mm -hmm. So he packed up his things and left and went to a friend's and I finally got back to our apartment, called my dad crying and was like, dad, I don't know what's happening and I don't have the energy to explain it to you, but it's just going to be me for Christmas coming home. And he's like, don't, you don't have to worry about it, Rachel. I'll be there on the very next flight tomorrow. So he flew down to Texas. Wow. I literally spent the night on my couch Yeah. that whole night just in shock. He came in, literally packed everything because I was sick to my stomach with emotions, couldn't move, just crippled by this shock, even though, Mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't a shock. It was just the severity of realizing it was over. I came back to Minnesota. Mm -hmm. It was like the perfect time because it was Christmas. So my sister and my brother, who are my best friends, were there where they normally don't live in Minnesota. So it was like we all were there for me to process this and share it with them in person. Yeah. And I obviously let them know that there was affairs happening, that there was lies and deceit. (laughs) There was some um, mental illness stuff going on with him um, that I was realizing that my counselor. And it was a very toxic situation. But it Mm -hmm. really took me moving from that situation yeah. to being in my healthy family situation to really see it for what it was. Yeah. So within that two weeks that we mm-hmm. were supposed to be together in Minnesota, he was contacting me and it was every day, good day, bad day, mm. I like you, I'm, I want to be with you, I want to make this work. Next day, I hate your guts, you're going to hell, all wow. this stuff. So Just it like was like whiplash. So back and forth. But at this time... That had been happening a lot, but I didn't realize it. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're in a toxic situation, you kind of become numb to how bad it is. Yeah. And so so my family really helped me see like love doesn't scream at someone. Love doesn't change its mind so flippantly. Love is patient. Love is kind. You know, and they pointed me to truth Hmm. and they helped me really just surrender my situation because yeah. I think part of me still wanted to fight for it and yeah I I felt like God's only 
reasonable, logical fix to this solution was to make my marriage with my ex-husband work. Mm-hmm. And my family helped me see that, no, the only solution is to surrender it to God Come on. and say, not my will, but yours be done. Mm. And so there was a moment that I remember sitting on my floor with my little sister, Sarah, where we're chatting about things and we kind of prayed together. And I just said, I can't do this. I I can't bear this physical burden that I've been bearing for the past year that I need to give it to God and I'm going to be okay, Mm -hmm. whatever the outcome is. And I prayed that prayer and I kid you not, it was like a tangible weight had been lifted off my shoulders and just a flood of peace, a tremendous flood of peace to the point that I was like, holy cow, like, I feel like chilled to the bone because it'd been so long since I had peace that I forgot what it was like and then it hit and it was a wave of it. And it was like all of a sudden there's a, yes, there's a reprieve. Yes. And it was like, because you'd been really fight or flight for, for so long. Mm -hmm. And that is, that is the peace that passes understanding. That yeah. is the thing that we hear about in sermons all the time, mm-hmm. but that is actually it. Like you shouldn't feel that. Yeah. Oh yeah. In and what I was you're like, experiencing. Yeah. Why? Like this makes yeah. no sense that I have accepted the fact mm-hmm. that I'm getting a divorce and yeah. I've accepted that I am no longer going to Colorado. I'm not living yeah. out my dream because I've got this, you know, you have to walk thing this. I need to walk yeah. through and handle and it would not be fair to try to just cover that up and transpose it on this new church and it was just this piece that was Mm -hmm. like okay I don't know how or why this this is happening but yeah it's great God is good and it was this shift of like okay God despite the fact that you are not answering it how I wanted you to Hmm. I know that you're good yeah even though I can't see it I'm going to like trust that and I made that I love decision that. like right off the bat. Wow. You know, it just is That's almost so... like I got to test God. Yeah. You know, yeah. He, he says he's good. So let's, let's go. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah. And it's not, you know, I, I, I say it all the time, but th- this divorce was not his plan for you. Yeah. It's what he's doing after it. Exactly. You know, God does yeah. not, he does not predestined people to sin that's so against him because he died so that we wouldn't (laughs) he died so that there wouldn't be that separation so of course he didn't predestine your ex-husband to sin Mm -hmm. and bring that but the beauty and the goodness that he's bringing out of that sin in your life Mm -hmm. is so profound it is so good and i mean yeah, I'm just I'm oh, blown yeah. away by that. It, it really like, by the you, goodness of God in the in the midst of other people's terrible choices. Yes, and it you really know? makes you wrestle with those questions, like mm-hmm. you know, theological things of like, yeah. is God good? Yeah, even this bad thing is happening, and I really, you know, I'm sure you experienced it too, mm-hmm. having those moments where you're like, okay, God, is this really true about yep. you? Is this really what you're going to do with this situation? And you know, I. Actually, two weeks after I was home, mm-hmm. I found out, or my mom found out, she had cancer. And so it was like this double whammy. <sighs> wow. But in essence, it actually made me have to run to God more. Yes. And it sort of shifted so the true. focus from my own pain and my own experience wow. 
to focus on being there for my mom and for my dad, who I was now living with in their home as they're experiencing this new, very scary thing. Yeah. And I like just felt over and over again that God was saying, trust me, I've got this. Like, do you love me? Then trust me. Hmm. It requires trust and it requires knowing who I am. Yeah. So I really dove into scripture because I was like, God, I need to know more of who you are. Mm-hmm. Your word says you're good. Your word says that yeah. you never leave us or forsake us, that you stick closer than a brother. And I need you to be those things right so now. So true. And I'm angry at you. And yeah. I had those really real raw oh, moments. And we I have think to. it's so key. You know, God, I'm upset with you. I <laughs> like I don't understand why this happens why when did I'm you doing allow this you to know, happen? I did everything the quote unquote right way mm-hmm. of waiting and saving myself and thought I was dating the right way and going to Bible college and mm-hmm. had these like yeah. aspirations that in my mind all seemed good. I mean and they ministry. Were. Yeah, exactly. I was like, doesn't that earn me like some brownie points? And then yeah. this happens. And so there was a lot of wrestling, but My mom's experience really cemented, like, no matter what, like, you can live your life exactly for God, but it's not a promised easy road. It's not a promised road of no pain, no hardships, no experiences out of your control. You know, we can sin and cause issues in our own life, but we also can have things outside of our world impact yeah. us. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, in essence, experiencing two of those with my mm. divorce and my mom's cancer. Wow. And it was just like, okay, God, even if my life was perfect, you know, or what I thought was perfect yeah. and I was happily married, this cancer thing would still rock me to the core. A hundred percent. I can't fix it. Mm -hmm. I can't make it better. Mm -hmm. But you're the only one who can. So I need to like look to you in this. Totally. Well, and and we're given those opportunities to do that, to look to the Lord. And like, we have to. Like, what do we run to when we're in trouble? We should run to him. Yeah. But a lot of people don't. Yes. And we have to run to something. So there's all these things, especially... When, when pain is compounded and mm-hmm. terrible situations are compounded in a short amount of time, like, like you've experienced, mm-hmm. a lot of people are like, well, screw you, God. Yeah. I, like, I can't handle that, so I'm going to run to these other things. I'm, I'm going to run to Netflix or I'm yeah. going to run to sex or, what, you know, whatever yeah. it is. Like, there's, yeah. but, but running to the Lord in it is like, oh, you just have to. Yes. Oh, yeah. Praise and, God. And I, yeah. I, that whole experience of just running to God, relying Mm -hmm. on him was not something that was like this, you know, one time decision. Yes. It's like every continuous daily freaking day. Yes. Sometimes Uh, every moment where you're like, okay, so I want to run to this other thing, but I can't. (laughs) I would like find myself. Or you do. And then you have to. Those like recommitments to God in the moment. Like I was just like. God, I'm so mad. I'm so upset. Like, I hate everything right now. Yeah. Talking these out, and I still have the voice memos. Oh, They're I really love funny that. to listen to. But, like, me processing through things, and I'd always try to work my way around to, like, puking it all out there, yeah. getting all my emotions Just get out, it all and out. then saying, But, God, you're good. I'm going to trust you because I really have no other options. I've got I'm nothing up my to. sleeve. My family can't handle anymore. I don't know what's going on, but you do. And so, yeah, daily commitments and, you know, running to God was truly like the best decision I've ever made. 
made healing so much easier. So, so what's the time frame here? How long? When when did this all happen? Married 2016. Okay. That kind of ended with, began and ended in the same year. Mm-hmm. So 2017 was when I was back in Minnesota. Okay. Started life here. Yeah. And my mom had cancer at the beginning of that year. Battled it the whole next year. How is your mom doing now? She is cancer-free. Oh, God healed yay. her of cancer, and she is alive and well, spunky wow. and silly as ever, and it's a miracle. Wow, that is so great. Yeah. Yeah, 2016, 2017 was the worst years of my life, too. Okay. <laughs> Just, and I'm assuming yeah. there were the worst years yes, of your life. They were. Yes, Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> and that's, But the goodness that the Lord mm-hmm. has brought out of it is amazing. Yes. Yes. So. You know, this this podcast series that I'm doing now is, um, you know, it's now what? Um, mm-hmm. I'm not making it about relationships because sure. it could easily turn into that. Sure. Like, okay, now what? Yeah. Now what's the next relationship? Yeah. But what's so beautiful is that you have been so... I just, I see you as a person who's gone after intentionally seeking after the Lord and intentional healing for yourself personally. Yes. And then there is oftentimes the gift of a new relationship. Yes which is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Can I ask a little bit about, I mean, I wish that, I wish that James was here to, to maybe chime in with this, but, yeah. um, but what has that, what has that been like now to, I mean, we talked a little bit about this first year, it's mm-hmm. your anniversary today. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's so great. <laughs> there's, there's so much goodness in this new thing, the promise of this new thing, like the Lord is doing a new thing. Yes. Um, what has this now what been like for you? Yeah, man. So 2017 was kind of my healing mm-hmm. year. Yeah, I, recovery. Yeah, recovery. And I chose to do that by forcing myself into a lot of situations I mm-hmm. wouldn't normally go into. So when I came back, my parents were like, hey, you can go to church with us, mm-hmm. sit with us. Like, we know... It's been a while since you've been in Minnesota and mm-hmm. you've lost connections. We'll be there. And, and it's I, really hard to sit alone at church. It is very hard. Ugh. But I I told my parents, I was like, thank you, but no thank you. I am going to go to a different church oh my by gosh. myself. I love this. Because I need to feel so uncomfortable that yeah. I do something about it. And so It's like I, putting yourself in the uncomfortable position yes. to... Because we just want comfort sometimes, yeah. but that's oh, yeah. not, we also know that that's not good for us. Yes. Or <laughs> like an immediate fix to yeah, that kind exactly. of pain of yes. needing companionship mm-hmm. and needing close friends. It was like, I need this and I know I need this, but I need to go through the appropriate or appropriate channels and process to get there. So true. You know, I can't just make friends with whoever is available. I need good, godly, healthy people mm-hmm. that are going to help yep. me in my healing journey and understand. And that aren't just going to be like a cushion. Yeah, exactly. That are actually going to bring challenge yep. and... That aren't going to make me like skirt around things, but yes. really deal with it. So yeah. I went to a church by myself. Mm-hmm. Not a single person talked to me the first time I went. Are you serious? I, I stood there by myself the entire time. <gasps> Could you not? And... I 
That makes me so sad. It was sad and it was partially It was not my, my church. I'll no. say that. <laughs> it was not. And no, I love that church. It's yes, a huge yes. part of my story. Nothing against the church. It's just what happened. And there's you know, also like this, there. the situation. And yeah. There could I have was, been a number of reasons why that didn't happen. I was happen. probably the girl with a dark cloud, depressed, sad, you know, hiding in the back too. Mm-hmm. So I probably didn't encourage yeah. building a connection with someone mm-hmm. at that point in time. But the next time I went back, I was like, screw it. I'm shy, I'm introverted, I'm heartbroken, mm-hmm. I'm all of these things, but those are not going to be excuses. I'm going to go meet someone. And so I went up to the Welcome Center and I was like, hi, I am new here. What can I do to meet people? You are so brave. <laughs> Thank you. Thank That's you. huge. Okay, it, first of all, I mean, I know I'm interrupting you. Yes. The fact <laughs> that you went the first time is huge. Yes. The fact that you went the second time is way bigger. Yeah. Like, especially after not not having a, a very positive. welcome, <laughs> positive experience. Yeah. So I want to just, wow. Thanks. You're my hero. <laughs> well, thank you. Okay, so you went to the welcome desk. Yes, welcome desk. And they were like, hey, you need to go to a life group and get connected. Yes. That's the way to do it here. That's kind of their format. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know reluctantly mm-hmm. all for it but yeah I was like I just need to do this I'm gonna yeah. do this thing I'm gonna give it the old college try yeah <laughs> so I went to a young girls all girls life group and met some amazing ladies that's awesome and it was just a forum to like get to know people yeah and it helped me realize that you know they were all in similar age range, mm-hmm. but we're all coming from different experiences. A lot yeah. of them were in the, you know, I'm trying to find someone. So yeah, I'm dating. I'm, I'm fresh out of college. Yeah. yeah. So it was just like, okay, there's this huge variety of people, mm-hmm. and they're all dealing with stuff. And mm-hmm. even though mine feels like the biggest, most painful, most you know, tragic thing that's ever happened to anyone in humanity. Yeah. It was very eye-opening to see that in in some way, shape, or form, we all were dealing with something. Oh my gosh. Getting perspective of pain Mm -hmm. is so important. Yeah. Because when you hear other people's struggles and other people's stuff, it helps to normalize your, your emotions too. But it's like, it's so good to know, wow, what you are going through is Mm -hmm. just as valid as what I'm going through. Exactly. And it's so important to be there for one another. It helps you see outside of your situation when you you see someone else's and hear someone else's story. Mm -hmm. And there were uh, a few girls who had went through, you know, toxic relationships that may not have been married, but a few that were. And that's real. Yeah. There's a lot of people that listen to this podcast that are, have gone through bad breakups and that yes. resonate with this. You know, it may not be a covenant, but mm-hmm. it is a, a vast disappointment. Yes, and it and it still impacts you. Oh, 100%. It still shapes things. Yeah. It still is something you have to deal with, have mm-hmm. to know how yep. to handle. And so eventually I went to this girl's one. Awesome. Love those ladies. They always will hold a special place yeah. in my heart. But then I was actually asked to co-lead a life group. Mm-hmm. A... Uh, and this was like maybe six, seven months. Okay. I kind of was reluctant to it at first. I actually said no because it okay. was a guy that I knew from just church. Yeah. That was like, hey, I want you to co-lead. I want to lead this group mm-hmm. that is geared towards this kind of mission and vision. We had similar stories. Yeah. And I said no. 
because yeah. I did not know if I felt ready. And I kind of was like, like I don't want to leadership. Yeah. In a place of leadership. And I wanted to really be respectful of the healing process. Yeah. And I said, no. And I felt a huge check in my spirit. Really? Of like, Rachel, you need to do this. Wow. So I apologized to him like the very next day, called him up and was like, I don't know why, but I just yeah. feel like I need to do this. Hmm. Is it okay if I co-lead with you now? Yes. And he said yes. And I did. And that was an amazing experience. Because mm-hmm. yet again, it was another thing that shifted my focus from me yeah. and my pain and what I was dealing with yeah. and processing through to other people. Mm-hmm. And it obviously getting to know them, getting to know their stories yeah. and having this group meeting every week, you just learned more and more yeah. about people that everybody is experiencing th- something and yes. it might not be to the same degree that I am, mm-hmm. but we all need each other so and that true. you find healing and wholeness mm-hmm. in that body of Christ. A hundred percent. You know, encouraging, speaking life, you know, yeah. doing all these things together. So, And as the Lord pours into you, as mm-hmm. you're receiving that healing, then it's just an outpouring of it too. It's not like we have to hold it all for ourselves. Like there yeah. isn't enough. Yeah. You know, our cup overflows. Yes. <laughs> like there, as the Lord pours into us, we have to bring that out to other people too um, in its time, you know, when yeah. that call happens. And it's yes. clear that it was that time for you that the Lord said, okay, yeah, this is something that you need to step into. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Even though it, I'm sure it was scary. It was. It was intimidating, but I don't know. There was just this weird boldness I had. I love and that. it was just, I need to go through yeah. this. I was mm-hmm. I was still meeting with a counselor here. Okay. So I didn't you. have that I'm kind a of format. huge fan yes. of counseling. Yeah. I say counseling saved my life because it certainly did. I, I um, totally agree. It's yeah. amazing and there is and the no right, shame in it. The right counselor, the yes. right therapist, yes. the right yeah, you know, you psychologist. You do. Yeah. Kind of like dating. Find yes, somebody exactly. that you mesh with. And then if it's not working, then break up with them. Yes. Like I had to do that. Yes. I actually broke up with a therapist. <laughs> I did. It's real. And find a new one. I was like, this isn't working. Um, I'm going to have to see other people. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. And so I had a therapist and she was kind of telling me, you know, Rachel, obviously the reason you got married the first time was because you wanted to have a companion, that you wanted this in life. And there's nothing wrong with that. No. And, you know, you can let this experience that didn't turn out well change that desire. Mm or kind of uh, alter it in some way, shape, Mm -hmm. or form, or you can say, no, God gave me that desire initially. Yeah. I still have it, and that's okay. I just need to trust that he's going to bring it about in his way, Mm -hmm. but I need to make steps forward. I can't just, like, sit in my parents' house and expect Prince Charming to show up delivering, (laughs) like, an Amazon box, like, sweeping me off my feet. I mean, that could happen. It could. But... It would just maybe be a little more difficult. You never know what you'd get. Yeah, it's really just about positioning yourself. Yeah. And and a, a a time after marriage and dating after divorce is, like positioning yourself for that, knowing what's good for you, what's best for you, being very patient with yourself. And like in that life group setting, since Mm -hmm. it was guys and girls, it Mm -hmm. was kind of like this unique opportunity for me to analyze the guys and not like, oh, are you my potential husband? Just like (laughs) 
I admire this quality. Yeah. That's a quality I maybe don't mm-hmm. need or I recognize this in them as something that I don't want in a future spouse. Was that, so. was that hard for you to make that switch to actually start looking at men? A little bit. I think I was very hesitant. You know, mm-hmm. some people try to, you know, we'll set you up with someone. You just need to go on dates right away. Yeah. And this was probably seven or eight months after my divorce. Yeah. So things were closed off. I had spent intentional time focused on healing. Yeah, yeah. And I still was very hesitant mm-hmm. to let men close. Yeah. Except for like my dad and brothers. Yeah, but, yeah. But just in general. Mm-hmm. And some of the guys in my life group, I felt led to open up to them mm-hmm. about my story. And that was kind of... Seeing their response yeah, to that yeah. helped me kind of feel in general just more comfortable yeah. around men. Yeah. I still had zero intention of dating. Yeah. My counselor at this point in time was kind of like, okay, Rachel, you want to get married again at some point. There's yeah. no if rush this is for a you, goal but for you, you need to date. Like, it's kind of like, yeah. okay, here's a lake in front of you. I want to be at the island across. I have to swim across to get it. You like have to go through the yeah. steps to get there. And so I recognized that at some point in time, I would have to enter the dating world mm-hmm. and figure that out. And be and patient with yourself it in it, but it is. To get to that marriage that I was potentially hoping to have. Yeah. So I knew these, but I knew I was not ready. Mm-hmm. And it was just, you know, kind of this loose, I'm, you know, sort of looking at these dudes around me and admiring things about them yeah. or not admiring yeah, yeah. things about them <laughs> and just seeing what I you know, what I know I need now in light of everything I've experienced. Mm -hmm. Because I knew that what I experienced essentially shaped me, that Mm -hmm. I was no longer the Rachel I was pre-first marriage. You know, kind of naive, homeschooled, like (laughs) think the best of everybody. I was a different person. And so I really took time to figure out who this new Rachel was, what she needed, what she desired. Yeah. What she could handle and couldn't mm-hmm. handle. And so, yeah. It's good. Just being around those guys was very helpful. Cool. But I wasn't like, ooh, I want to date you. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But just being open to that is, that's a huge step. And yeah. it's hard. And. Scary. <laughs> super scary. Yeah. yeah. And you did it. And oh, I, I'm going to butcher the quote, but there's like the C.S. Lewis quote about mm-hmm. to love is tr- to be vulnerable. So mm-hmm. like essentially the essence of love opens you up to being hurt. But that's what makes it so beautiful Yeah, is that when you allow someone in, they have the potential to hurt you, but they choose not to. Yeah. And so I kind of have Otherwise it's not real love. Yeah, it's not. If it's just Mm -hmm. like kept in a box and only does what you want it to. (laughs) And so I knew that the potential risk would always be that this could happen again. Yeah. You know, I could experience this. And I would remind myself, God got me through it the first time. Yeah. And he saved me and he's getting me through my mom's cancer that he's not going to stop being with me. No. Even if I make a dumb choice and date the wrong guy, he'll still be there. 100%. Nothing I experience in this life is going to separate me from God. And that brought tremendous peace. And I don't know if you felt kind of with your experience that there was like 
this self-doubt of being able to make the right decisions. Um, 100%. Yeah. Just like fear of like, yeah. I chose this person, my fault for picking this horribly wrong thing. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Yeah. To make this terrible decision yeah, when it's... like on paper it looked good and all these things yep. but still it was so yeah what was that like for you that was a process mm-hmm. of almost probably some therapy too and De- counseling yeah therapy. <laughs> that was a huge part Me of too. My, my conversations on the weekly visit was mm-hmm. learning to trust my ability to make decisions yeah because that funneled into everything it wasn't mm-hmm. just relationships it funneled into jobs yeah fearing that I was going to make the wrong decision and hate my life at some job and fearing that I was going to make the wrong decision even with small stuff like leading a life group hanging out with friends being close to that person sharing my story and so terrible why did I do that or yeah but it was that same thing of to get through it you have to do it yeah like to be more comfortable with making decisions and trust yourself again you have to make them yeah you actually have to 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 get over the fear of doing something you have to do it yeah like the fear isn't just going to disappear yeah always like you have to actually do the thing of it yes move forward yes and And that's where that's what that that's what bravery is yes yeah it so is. So it's just a process mm-hmm. of learning to make decisions and be okay with the outcomes. Yeah. yeah. And kind of check myself on my expectations mm-hmm. of like, if I make this decision, is it going to be this or that? But mm-hmm. also just trust that God's got it. Yeah. And he moved in some really cool ways with opening up a really great job for me that helped instill confidence cool. and they have allowed me tremendous opportunities to grow professionally and Praise personally God. and open up to them and a lot of them are believers so cool. they know my story and they've encouraged me in that oh, and I love that yeah there were just really great moments throughout the healing process that God showed mm-hmm. faithfulness in other yeah. ways than just a connection with another person so but true tangible ways that so I was like good. okay God you're doing something. Yeah. Like, in spite of how I feel or this crap I'm dealing with, you're good. You're doing something. Yeah. And you're you're bringing good out of it. Yes. Like you are good and you are bringing good yes. out of it. Yep. Oh, for sure. I love that. That's so amazing. So what is life like for you now? Now what? Yes. For now Rachel. What? Yeah. As you mentioned earlier, it is my one-year anniversary to my husband, James. Uh, mm-hmm. We got married had the most fun wedding and cool. it was so tailored to us and our personalities cool. and it was an amazing celebration and life is amazing. I yeah. am so grateful for all that God has brought me through mm-hmm. and that he didn't leave me where I was. Yeah. He didn't leave me in the pain and the heartache. Come on. And he never does. That story <laughs> that I experienced still comes up at moments but God yeah. has used my husband James to heal mm-hmm. and to sort of mend some of those wounds yeah. as well. And so this past year has been the most incredible experience of my life, better than I had hoped for even the first time around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He is godly, he is gracious, he is kind, he speaks truth. Yeah, I to just me met him. Life. He seems great. He is. Like he seems he, super nice. I like could probably spend a whole podcast episode talking about how great James is and how much I admire him. Well, I'll I'll have to have you back on. It'll be a special, like, James Bragg segment. But he's amazing. 
he actually, so we met, he came to my life group that I was leading. So, um, I love that. He was friends with one of my best friends. They were both wedding photographers, okay. knew each other through that kind of format. She encouraged him to attend. Mm-hmm. He was in a phase of recommitting his life to Christ oh, wow. and wanting to get connected in a church yeah. and find good community. And she was like, well, my friend Rachel has this great life group. There's guys, there's girls. You should go. Yeah. He shows up the very next day and never stopped coming. And Mm -hmm. I was still not open to the idea. And when he walked through the door of the life group, it wasn't like angels, you know, singing in the sky or anything like that. (laughs) This is your husband. No, I I don't remember anything about meeting him the first time, except for I loved his teeth. I thought he had great teeth. That's it. (laughs) But that was like the extent of it. I don't even think I talked to him a ton. Okay. But... He just kept coming, mm-hmm. and I had planned, like a week or so after he first came, a kayaking trip or kind of just adventure mm-hmm. for us to go on. Yeah. Twelve people signed up to go. I reserved all the kayaks. Mm-hmm. We were going to actually meet at James's house that he was living at because it was kind of a central location. And as I'm driving to meet at his house, all 12 people bailed except for James. <laughs> all of them. Even to the point that my best or closest friend in the life group, she called me and she was in the emergency room. She was stung by a bee and was having an allergic reaction. Sends me pictures of her face, like all (laughs) swelling up and everything. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This, because I'm very type A, very planned. Things need to go according to plan. Uh And it clearly was not. And so I pulled up to his house and I was pissed. That all yeah. these people had bailed, that I did all this hard work, and, and now you're just it was like... just falling through. And I'm like, I have to spend three hours down a river <laughs> with a stranger that I don't know who's a guy. <laughs> and I haven't been on, like, a date with a guy yeah. since years. Okay. And I'm, like, thinking all these things, and I don't know him. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, my goodness. This is going to be terrible. Power drive, three hours. And I was calculating in my mind how to get out of this, like how long I'd yeah. have to spend with him. And, and you're probably like like writing questions in your head. Yeah. And like, okay, so we can talk about this maybe. Yep. And like <laughs> and just like, okay, Rachel, it's only awkward if you make it awkward. Yeah. Like, don't make it awkward. <laughs> that's do your been, best. That's been like one of my life quotes. Yes. It's only awkward if you make it awkward. That is mine as well. I say that all we, the time. We, it's probably a homeschool thing. Maybe it is. Maybe <laughs> it was in like one of our schooling things like yeah. taught you like, like don't these be are awkward. So, these are social skills. It's yes. only awkward if you make it awkward. Basically that's what you need to know. So take away from that's, this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's only awkward if you make it awkward. But needless to say we went down the kayaking cool. trip and he starts telling me his like story, his wow. testimony and you know I am kind of like oh frick. I'm going to yeah. have to tell him what I experienced. Oh my gosh. You know, here he is being really open and vulnerable. Yeah. And I kind of felt nervous about it at mm-hmm. first. But then that wave of peace yeah. just came over me. And it was like, this is okay. Mm-hmm. He is sort of earning your trust by yeah. being open and vulnerable with you. So I did. Told him, not in like a huge, dramatic, every detail, but just mm-hmm. a summary of yeah. this experience. Because... I'm very careful of who I share every detail with, but just, you know, letting them know what they need to know. Mm -hmm. And so I shared it with him and we had a really great experience. We actually ended up getting dinner after kayaking and kept talking more. So it was longer than I thought it would Mm -hmm. be, but it just really sparked a really great 
friendship with him and I. We had a lot of things in common. We're both very active, mm-hmm. very outdoorsy, cool. very, you know, go-getters yeah. in a sense. Um, so yeah, we became really good friends. And as much as we tried not to be together, I mean, there was even me saying mm-hmm. we can't hang out because I'm developing feelings for you. Yeah. We need to just be friends. I lead this life group. I don't think dating is wise mm-hmm. right now. And here I am trying to like shut this down, but God just it's kept just bringing happening. us together. There mm-hmm. were other occasions where it was group events where everybody else bailed last minute and it would be him and I like stuck at a beach, hanging out, <laughs> having lunch together after church because nobody else showed up. And then you we- guys, well, what it really shows is that you guys are committed. Yes. Yeah. Committed. <laughs> you guys are like... You know, you're going to follow through on yes. your commitment. When we say we're going to be there, we're going to be You're not there. the typical millennial, it yes. sounds like. Yes. No, we are not. And uh, we had a hiking trip planned. And so this one was actually one with a friend of okay. mine. So it was three of us. Initially supposed to be more, but again, yep. same issue, but three of us. So yeah. we were hiking up in the North Shore. And oh, nice. it's like... Superior Hiking en- Trail? Yes. Love it. Was it was towards the end of our hike. Last day, Sunday, we were like going to do a final hike. And I am not the most coordinated person. Okay. But I shouldn't have been. I was trying to like take a Snapchat video of myself and my friend who was hiking behind me of us hiking. Okay. And so I'm holding it up and we're hiking down this sort of descent to see these high falls. Okay. Not paying attention to where I'm going because oh, I'm no. videoing. And I'm oh, like, look no. at us. We're hiking. And I trip. Oh, no. I fall. And I hear a snap. Oh, and gosh. I try to get up and I physically can't. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, crap. And all of a sudden, James is there and my friend. They both come over to me and they're like, are you okay? Can you stand up? And I'm like, guys, no. My ankle is broken. Oh. I've never broken anything, but I was but you certain knew. that this was broken and I heard it and I could feel it and I was Ugh. like, this is not good. So terrible. Here I am with my friend James that I'm trying to kind of oh, not no. make us. He's gonna closer. come to your rescue. Yes, it's gonna is. make you like him more. <laughs> yeah. I say that's when I fell for him. Literally uh. fell for him because within like a matter of moments, my friend is like hysterical mess like panicking yes. kind of having like a panic attack herself she's like oh my gosh what are we gonna do yes. we're in the middle of nowhere she's freaking out and james without thinking calls the park ranger finds out where he needs to get me to on this trail so they can take me out they tell him it's about a half mile to a mile away from where we currently <sighs> yeah. are okay it's a downward descent it's muddy because it had just rained and james without thinking and i'm not a small person i'm like six feet tall throws me over his shoulders in a fireman carry and starts bounding up the hills with me. He's slipping in the mud, but manages to stay up. And this dude is running. This isn't like, oh, I'm like slowly hiking. Yeah. Carrying me, bounding up these, these hills and gets me to the like trailhead. Wow. And I get carted out of there. And so. Wow. We must have been so attractive. (laughs) It was. Yeah. I mean, I definitely fell for him that day. And. Just seeing him, like, assimilate this leadership yeah, responsibility role. Yeah, and, like, care. Yeah, that he cared for me. Yeah. And, I mean, he was my friend. We'd known yep. each other mm-hmm. a little bit, but it still was like, I can't believe someone mm-hmm. is doing this for me. Mm-hmm. And it felt like something I'd never had before, that yeah. someone besides my dad 
would sacrifice so much and take such good care Mm -hmm. of me. So essentially, they carted me out of there. James had to go hike back to wherever we parked, bring the car around to pick me up. Oh my gosh. Gets me this like bandage thing and brings me all the way home. So it's like a four hour drive. Yeah. Drops me off at my parents' house. That's when he first met my dad. Oh, really? Like, Here's your broken daughter. Yes. Kind of thing. And he's like, I didn't do it. I yes. just, you know, like helped. And so that wow. all was kind of a hilarious situation. And yeah, he made sure I was okay, got me home safe, I love would check that. up on me. And that really sparked our closeness. <laughs> yeah. Because totally. here I am, broken ankle. I can't do a lot. And it's now kind of transitioning into winter season. Mm-hmm. So crutches broken ankle not a not a great fit for anything fun so all my friends kind of you know just continued on with their life Mm -hmm. and they'd invite me but I couldn't do a lot of the things they were doing Mm -hmm. but James would you know help me get to church he'd park Mm -hmm. my car for me and drop me off and he'd pick me up and we'd go to coffee shops so he was like my best friend in that season cool and it just grew into more and we I think started dating a couple months after that. Okay. Got engaged about six months after that and married a few months after that. Wow. So all together like a year from dating that to is marriage. so amazing. Yeah. It is. It really so is like great. a testament to God being so faithful, so good. Yeah. And just what he does when you let him. You know, yeah. like it wasn't on my time. Yeah. And it might not be in, you know, like whoever's listening to this, it might not happen in your timing or the way yeah. you think it should, but it's so much better when you just mm-hmm. allow God to do what he does because yeah. it is so amazing and it's beyond your wildest hopes and dreams. Yeah, that's so good. I love that. Um, and I just love your perspective. I would just want to leave with some encouragement for people listening please you may have a similar story to mine or you may have something totally Mm -hmm. different that you've experienced but I just want to encourage you that you are not alone yeah that you are not the only person who's experienced this Mm -hmm. and that there is no shame yeah that you have a God who loves you who died for you and cares so intimately about you as a person that he is not going to leave you where you're at, that he has good in store for you, and he promises to make all things work together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purposes. And my life, I hope just from hearing this podcast that you can see that not everything was perfect, not everything was easy, but God made it work for his good and for his glory. And at the end of the day, it still rings true. Like if something were to happen to James, you know, we have a beautiful marriage and I adore this man and he's been such an instrument in my healing. But Mm -hmm. if something were to happen to him, I still have God, Yeah, you know, and I would Mm -hmm. still have to run to God. I still need Jesus. Yeah. Even when things are going well, even when things are kind of on the up and up, you need Jesus. Yeah. Not just when things are bad. (laughs) And he promises to be there. So I would encourage you that no matter what season you're in of your journey or your healing, run to God. He's got you. He has the best in store for your life. And I hope that my story was encouraging to you and yeah, I just wish you the best.
Wasn't that great? I love Rachel and I love her perspective and I love her wisdom. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and this series. If you're resonating with this topic of reclaiming, would you give financially? I have a Patreon page where I am taking donations and I'm really taking steps to make this a bigger thing than just this podcast, a bigger thing than just my support group. I'm really hoping that you will partner with me to make that happen. You can also find any information that was mentioned in the episode in the show notes. And I'm really excited to see you guys and talk to you guys next week. Remember, there is healing, there's redemption in Jesus, and there's always hope. Hope is my middle name. We'll see you next week.